And I, I just we, like to ask you a, a little bit more more about uh, mature forests. So, um, in this area, are there old trees with holes in them that owls are nesting in? That's a tremendous numbers of that. There's all kinds of cavity trees. We couldn't. Most of our dendrochronologists, uh, we were given permits to core 48 trees, and uh, uh, so we could we could do it. Uh, age analysis of the forest as, as, as the tail end of our EcoBlitz surveys. And so we've been doing that this year. We haven't been able to core most of the beech trees because of the hollow cavities in them. Uh, some of the largest uh, uh, oak and poplar that we found, we couldn't core because they were full of cavities. Uh, so these old, big old trees are... are uh, just quintessential habitats, standing, leaning, and down, alive and dead, for the, the whole range of different creatures that uh, live out in this forest, from the bats to the, to the shrews to the, the, the snakes to the, the um, salamanders. There's just uh, a, a whole community uh, that... Uh, exists in this forest because of these, these large old trees and all the standing and down snags and then the multiple age classes all the way down to the, the herbaceous layer on the floor. Uh, but, the, yeah, the, the, these big trees are, uh, provide great denning uh, for uh, uh, roosts and uh, nest sites and, and den sites for for owls and, and hawks, uh, the broad-winged hawk, a species of special concern. We've, we've seen it, uh, it and the red-shouldered hawk uh, are, are in the forest nesting. They're forest hawks. Actually, the red-tailed hawks are in there as well. Um, so there's, there's a, just a – what they're doing is saying we, they, they, when, when uh, you hear Mr. Seifert uh, dis- respond – to our concerns in the media, it's as if he's saying, look, we, we can make it a better old-growth forest. Um, it's, it, it, it's as if there is no forest out there that Mr. Seifert doesn't believe he can't make better or improve upon. Uh, and that reflects the, this, this lack of understanding that you know, forest ecologists that are doing this survey for us or have about about this forest, that, that this is not something that people made. Um, in fact, most of these forests here that, that were not restored by the Division of Forestry from pasture lands and eroded gullies. They were closed canopy forests when they were purchased by the Division of Forestry to be added into the state forest. The, the purchases were done in the, in the, the, mostly in the, the, from the 20s through the 60s, and uh, in two of the logging plans, they even admit that, well, there's never been a harvest on these sites. And when you look at the aerial photography from 1939, the, the, uh, the large preponderance of the 299 acres was closed canopy forest then. I, I'd like to ask... Um... For just to follow up a little bit more on the bat situation, so you you say in 
in your survey there that you you found some roosting places of the Indiana bat? Yes, these are maternity roosts. Right. Um, to, to the exact locations of them, I can't give, but one of them is in the, the northern track that they're proposing to log. It's just outside the EcoBlitz area uh, in, in what they call uh, uh, Tract uh, 2, and it's, it's just north of the Tecumseh Trail, going down into a ravine. There's a, a big, large, dead uh, uh, poplar and, and with exfoliating bark, and, and uh, we counted, uh, what, what, 22 uh, uh, bats in the first emergence count leaving it this, this year, and then nine in the, second, in the second one. That's in the area they're proposing to cut. Uh, and what about the long-eared bat? Because that bat seems to prefer quite dense forests, which that would certainly be. We have, for the, the three years that we've netted out there, every year we have caught a northern long-eared bat. The first year was outside the maternity roosting season in the fall. Second two years, which was this year and last year, we skipped a year of the bat netting, and then last year and this year we picked it back up, and we did it during the maternity roosting season. And in both of those years, we have netted female lactating northern long-eared bats without evidence of white-nose syndrome in their wings. The white-nose syndrome often leaves a scarring on the wings of the animal. And so that's very hopeful information. However, we, we did not track the first female that we caught last year, and we tracked this one, but were unable to find its roost. Um, so we don't know where the roosts are, but we know the northern long-eared are out there, and it's not just males foraging, it's females that, that have young somewhere not far off in that forest. Uh, and, uh, but in addition to the, the northern and the Indiana, another bat that there's been a, um, a call for listing, the numbers of which are, are also plummeting, is the eastern pipistrelle, or tricolored bat. And that's another forest bat, and it likes even more cluttered than the northern long-eared does. And this year we were uh, hoping we might uh, catch one of them, and we did. Uh, in the EcoBlitz forest, so it's it's uh, we didn't we didn't have the the resources to put a, a tracking device on it, and since it's not listed, uh, there was no requirement that we do that. But we did find this eastern pipistrelle bat also, and and they're another bat that's in trouble. Eleven of the twelve bats in Indiana are all listed either on the state or federal uh, endangered species list, and they're either rare, threatened, or or officially endangered, the top listing uh, uh, on, on that list. I, I want to make sure I've driven home two points, which is that they violating commitments to maintain this forest as an older forest so that it can go back into being an old growth forest to the sustainable forestry auditors. They're violating the promise they made to maintain the wilderness characteristics of the area uh, way back in 1980. There's two more points, and that is that they're not willing to even look at the data that we've produced from the EcoBlitz in, in deciding whether to make this decision. They've already, they're already proposing to log 
and just asking for input on that and acknowledging that they hadn't even looked at the data that we've been submitting for the last uh, uh, four years. They looked at the Indiana Heritage Database of 2013. That's before the EcoBlitz data started coming in on it. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is they're, they're logging right in the heart of the backcountry area, so you, there's no way you won't see it. They, these, this, the harvest they've done previously have been way out on the, the corners. So in the interior of the area, people aren't even aware that they were logging out there. But now they're, they're, there's going to be no way that they, people won't know that they've heavily logged in the backcountry area for the next five or six generations. I'll leave it at that, I guess. I've been speaking with Jeff Stant, Executive Director of the Indiana Forest Alliance. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.